Church, it's a blessing to be able to bring God's word to you today. And as you know, we're in a new series titled God's Plan for Your Wellbeing. And today I'm going to focus in on our physical well-being and just share something of what God would have to say to us concerning it. Now, in this message, I've rooted it in 1 Kings chapter 19, a passage of scripture that might be familiar to some and unfamiliar to others. Nevertheless, I do believe, I trust and believe that God would use this historical encounter that took place just under 3,000 years ago to speak and teach us something about his thoughts concerning our physical well-being. Now, before the passage is read, I want to share a quick few comments. The first is, and to be very clear, I was not chosen to preach on this passage or this topic because I'm clearly the fittest amongst all the pastors. Far from it. In fact, when I was asked to preach, I was grieving it for a few days because if you're anything like me, you know, no one needs to tell you that your physical health is important. We all know it is. But like, like me, we probably duck and dive. God has already been probably prodding us about our physical health during this season and we've tried to avoid him. But our God is gracious, isn't he? And he has a way of confronting us that leads us into what is true and good. And so right up front, this message is coming from one who's already been confronted by God on this topic. But second is that by means of God's sovereignty, and by that, what do I mean? I mean his ability to govern all things as he does in this world according to his purposes. This message has come at a very um, important time. As you know, we are in a pandemic that's been created by COVID that thrives off the poor physical health of you and I and also puts our physical well-being at risk. And if that wasn't enough, though we've learned how to wash our hands during this season, for many of us, our physical health has faltered. We've adopted maybe poor eating habits in order to cope, bad sleeping patterns because we're up late watching Netflix or playing on our PS5 or were overburdened because of work, were, ha were having to hold down homeschooling with kids and also working a full-time job. Add to that just extra shifts, trying to serve people in our community at this time. Now, I know I might not be speaking to all of you, but to those to whom this relates, I want you to know that God sees you and he has a word for you. Lastly, and before reading the passage, I wanna, I guess, say something to those of you who when you hear that term physical well-being, Alarm bells start ringing because you start thinking of yoga, meditation, um, and all those other new age and Eastern practices that a lot of our workplaces have started to introduce. But let me just say very quickly and firmly that as Christians, we need not be phased or moved by that term because first and foremost, it is our God who made us physically in his image in the first place. And when it comes to this creation, this good creation that's currently being plagued by sin and evil, it's him in Christ alone that has been eternally committed to our well-being. So with that, let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 19 from verses 1 to 8. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life, and came to Bathsheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. 
And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food, forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mount of God. The first thing I want us to see in this encounter that Elijah, the prophet of God, has in the wilderness is that God takes an interest in our physical well-being. It's obvious, but I believe many of us overlook this very simple but important point. Have you ever noticed that when we speak of change, be it in business or even in the Bible, it is said that the why of what we do is more important than the what. So, for instance, a very, I guess, a favourite for our kids in our house, Colossians 3.13, It says, bear with one another and forgive one another. That's the what, that's the action. But it says, just as God in Christ has forgiven you, the why, the motivation. And this same principle rings true when it comes to our physical well-being. In these verses that we've just read, we see the why of physical well-being, and that is that God takes an interest. We often speak of the prophets and servants of God, even down to our day as strong and mighty people. And it's true because at various points in history, God raised them up to declare his glory and power to an onlooking world. And we look forward to seeing that even in our day. But not often do we see nor speak of this side of the prophet, as recorded in verses three and four, where Elijah is full of fear, paralyzed, pressured, seeking an escape and scared of the threats of a mere queen, even though he knows and has seen God's power on full display. And it's into this context that we learn about God's interest in his servants and as an extension, our physical well-being. What does God do when his servant is exhausted, spiritually and physically drained and pleading for his own death? Does he first rebuke him for not recalling all the times that he's demonstrated his power and protected him? No, instead God allows him to sleep and sends an angel with a two-course meal. It's not what we expect. And I believe that if it wasn't recorded in the Bible for us, for, for us, many of us would not make this up. And you see, the problem is that at times we view God like a slave master. And if you're honest, we view, it's like sometimes some of our employers, if we're, if we're going to be honest, as one or as a person who is only just concerned with the task at hand and couldn't care less about our being and about our physical well-being. But what I want to tell you today, church, is that the God of Elijah, our God, he says he knows your frame. Psalm 103 verse 14. That means he's intimately aware of your physical makeup, its needs, its weaknesses, and he is concerned with it. He sees the level of stress that you endure at work that's caused not just by the nature of it, but by your lack of sleep. He sees your desire to spend time with your kids, but you lack the physical energy to do so. He sees the food that at times gives you comfort in the short term, but in the long run is actually shortening your lifespan. And that's why throughout scripture and evidence in creation, God has placed various things to preserve us. So for instance, Jesus says that the Sabbath was made for man so that we may rest. In the Lord's prayer, Jesus says, pray to our father that he may give us our daily bread so that we may eat. He allows rain to fall on the seeds of both his and of other people who reject him. 
again, pointing us to the extent of his care, even for those who do not follow him. And in Christ, our present reality, church, is that our bodies belong to him. They're not our own. And that's good news. He didn't just come to purchase our souls. No, but he came to purchase our bodies also. John Bevere, a preacher in the US who I'm quite familiar with, he illustrates this so well. He says, imagine if um, you had a Ferrari. I'm sure you would look after it. You wouldn't allow any type of petrol just to get in because you ascribe value to that car. But go a step further. Imagine if it was my car, I gave it to you. I'm sure you still look after it because of the value of the car, but I'm hoping that you would care for it because you know it doesn't belong to you, it belongs to me. And you know that one day you're gonna to have to give an account for how you have looked after it. And friends, in Christ, this is all the more true concerning our bodies, concerning our physicality. Not only did Jesus create it, but he took on a physical body in order to purchase our broken bodies by his blood. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20. And he's given it to you and I so that we may live and worship him in them. Romans 12 verse 1. So what a shame then to despise something that God takes an interest in. And this is the ultimate why of physical well-being, that God cares for our bodies and therefore we should too. And that's what we see in these first few verses, that because God loves Elijah and because he belongs to him, God takes um, or God concerns himself with every aspect of his life. But the second thing we see in this passage is that, or is how God meets Elijah's needs. Not only does God take an interest in our physical well-being, but he supplies what we need for it. So what we see in verse four, by the time Elijah lands in the wilderness, he's probably spent up to three days on the run. Some estimates put the distance at just over a hundred miles. And so it's no surprise that filled with fear and after that long journey that he says in verse four, it's enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life for I am no better than my fathers. And church, as we'll see in a moment, everything has a spiritual foundation, but a lack of food and a lack of rest can really lead us to think and say things that are erratic. It's usually said in our culture that a, a hungry man is an angry man. And though I would caution against our bellies dictating our actions, I know this to be true. There are times when I am upset and I have no reason why, but then Fran makes a lovely meal and it just brings joy to my soul. And I know I'm not alone in this, I'm not. But it does bring to remembrance a passage in James 2 where he says this, he says, what good is it to see a brother or a sister in need of food and then say to them, go in peace and be well fed without actually attending to their physical needs? And this is why as Christians and actually as a church, we are committed through both the JRP and Love Your Neighbour to feed and help those who are most vulnerable at this time in our community. And this is what God does for Elijah. Though he was perfectly aware of the spiritual root of his servant's problems, God doesn't sidestep his physical needs, but he sends an angel, as we read in verses five and seven, to give him food and allow him to sleep. And there's so much that we can learn in that. The first is that God supplies things like food, rest and exercise to enhance our, our physical well-being. I think Phil said last week that, that they're like means of grace. He's given them to us for our benefit. And I truly believe that as Christians living in the West, 
the Western part of the world, we have actually failed to recognize this. And that's because of a wrong dichotomy between the physical and the spiritual. On the one hand, we as Christians like to elevate the spiritual, but neglect the physical. And on the other hand, secular culture around us elevates the physical and neglects the spiritual. And both are unbiblical because our God who is spirit, he made creation to consist of both physical and spiritual dimensions. And even when we think of Christ, our Lord, our Saviour, the Saviour of creation, the man Christ Jesus, he rules over both the visible and invisible world. So to reject or fail to understand these gifts that he's given to us is actually to our own demise. For instance, I remember speaking with um, one of the brothers in the church called James. He's a personal trainer. And he was telling me that when we exercise, no matter how long-winded or brief it may be, our bodies produce what's called feel-good chemicals. I believe the technical name is endorphins. And if you don't know much about it, what they actually do when they're producing our bodies, they actually help in boosting our mood and reducing or lowering the rates of depression. Imagine that. Imagine that. And as he told me, I said, let me just go and do a bit of research just to read it up for myself. And I went and I came across this website that was explaining it for me. And they basically just giving credit to nature. And I just said, no, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's give glory to the God who designed nature. And so James, when he's um, teaching his members, he tells them that endorphins are God's reminder to them that exercise is good for their body. In fact, Paul says something similar in 1 Timothy 4 verse 8. He says, physical training or exercise is of some value. So church, whether it's walking on your own or in a group doing hit, jogging, um, yeah, running, skipping, dancing, exercising on YouTube, you name it, let us try to find a sustainable and consistent way to exercise and be stewards, good stewards of our bodies um, that God has given to us. But as you know, exercise is also closely linked with the type of food we eat. I know that after I've done some like a workout and I'm feeling like Samson, I'm very cautious over the type of food I take in, even on that first day. And it's a bit like sin. As we mature in Christ, as we grow in him, we become more cautious and even conscious of the type of teaching that we're consuming. We don't want to be easily led astray. And the same applies to what we eat and our physical well-being. Scripture says all things are lawful, but not everything is beneficial. Imagine if you had maybe a fish allergy. It's lawful for you to have tuna and cod, but it won't be beneficial for your physical health. And I, I believe that as God's people, as we reflect over God's plan for our physical well-being, we need to take stock, we need to think about what does our diets consist of? What should we eat more of? And what should we eat less of? And this picture that's gonna come up from the NHS, I'm sure we've all seen it before. I remember seeing it when I was actually a kid, I believe. I'm sure we've all seen it once or twice, but they basically just emphasize eating more vegetables, fruits, fish, whole grain carbs, while seeking to minimize the intake of foods that are rich in maybe added sugars and other processed meals. Add to that drinking water, lots of water, and at the same time, taking maybe multivitamins that will supplement the food that, or the nutrients that you haven't taken in. Now, some of this we know, but if you're anything like me, you crave, there's certain foods, um, snacks that you crave. You need to go on your knees and ask God, Lord, give me self-control. And guess what? The Spirit of God will give you that graciously, but that's one of the fruits he produces in us. Delete your Casper subscription if they've got one. Look for how you can make a meal plan. But the reality is that there are some things we just don't know. 
And so I would encourage you, speak to someone, even in your groups this week, speak, share. Maybe speak to a nutritionist, do some research, find out how you can make healthier meals on a budget. But coming back to the passage, notice that in verses seven and eight, how the angel says to Elijah that he must eat because the journey is too great for him in his current state. In other words, without God's supplies, he will not be able to complete or fulfill the task at hand. And so what does that mean for us? It means that when we as God's people start to think about our physical well-being, we need to take stock of not only what we're eating, but also have a think of how much sleep, how many hours do I actually need so that I may be productive? And once you know that, actually take it, sleep, rest, but also exercise so that we as God's people may be able to fulfill our kingdom calling in this world. And I remember learning this when I was in banking in my old role. My role required high attention to detail because any mistake would have easily cost the bank thousands of pounds. And I remember at lunchtime just noticing that a lot of my colleagues would go running and they'll do exercise during their lunch breaks and they'll be eating this thing that looked like grass. They call it salad. <laughs> and I, I just used to sit there and think, what are you doing? Like I'm here eating my jell rice and chicken and I was loving it. But lo and behold, after lunch, who was it that was knackered? Head bopping onto the desk, clock watching. It was me. I wasn't able to do my role properly because of, what I, because of what I had eaten. And so I had to alter what I ate at work, at lunch, for the sake of my physical well-being, but also because of my calling to serve God in the bank. And it's a bit like what um, Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5. If you've read it before, you'll see Paul is giving him encouragement in church ministry. And he says to him something that's a bit obscure. He says, um, stop drinking only water, but take some wine, add some wine to it. So for the sake of your um, constant or frequent stomach pains. So when it comes to our physical well-being, church, first we must or we need to remember that God takes an interest because he cares for us. Secondly, we need to remember he gives, he supplies us those things that we need, the food, the rest and the exercise. But lastly, we must know that our physical well-being is not an end in itself. Let's read verses eight again. It says, and he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the Mount of God. We see that Elijah, though nourished from the food and well-rested from sleep, was not to remain in the wilderness. No, rather God's care for his physical well-being was meant to lead and point him back to God. Mount Horeb, that's the very mountain where God called Moses centuries ago. It was the place where God revealed his great name, the place where God said the freed Israelites would come to worship him. In other words, like those recorded in John 6 who were amongst the 5,000 who were fed by Jesus, but pursued him a day after solely for more bread, completely missing that he was the bread of life. May we, may you and I, in our pursuit of God's plan for our physical well-being, not miss his sign that says there is more where that came from. And this is very crucial, church, because in our society today, many people do not live in light of eternity. Most are generally naturalistic. Many out of a lack of eternal hope do all that they can to preserve this present life. 
And whereas we've seen the desire to look after our bodies is commendable and it's a part of God's plan, when there's no hope in the God of eternal well-being, the God of peace, then physical well-being and the fitness industry and the likes become an idol. And as we've painfully learned over this season and, and in our nation and across the world, actually, the biggest enemy of our physical well-being is death. Many of us know or have lost someone personally during this season, during this pandemic. Some have been elderly and others not so much so. Add to that the number of maybe cancer patients and others who are suffering currently from bodily sicknesses and disease. Theirs and our hope can't simply just be a new meal plan or a gym subscription for all the good that that brings. Because at the root of our collective physical brokenness from which we cry out for physical well-being lies sin, your sin against God and mine. And so this passage reminds us that in our pursuit and understanding of physical well-being, we must look ahead to the one, Christ Jesus, who in the beginning made all things, but for our salvation came to earth. And in his body, he waged war with the enemy dealing with the root and consequences of our physical brokenness. And that's why he came healing the sick and casting out demons and why ultimately he went to the cross to pay the price in his body for the sin that we committed in ours. Then on that glorious third day, he rose again and is now seated in heaven bodily as king, promising eternal life in a new and indestructible body to all who would repent and put their trust in him. Praise God, praise God for what he's done. And upon reflecting on this amazing physical reality that, has, that is coming, that is sure, that is the hope for all of God's people, Paul says this in the New Testament. He says, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So church, in this season, as we reflect on God's plan for our physical well-being, remember that we belong to him and he cares for us. He cares for our bodies. Make much or the things that he's given to us, the good things he's given to us, and seek to understand them. That's the food, the adequate rest and exercise. But as we do so, let's continue to pray for physical healing, holding on to that sure hope when creation and our bodies will be made new by our risen Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Let's just pray as we bring this um, service to a close. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for Lord, what you have done. Thank you so much that you care for our bodies. I pray for everyone watching in your church, Lord, your people, that, Lord, we would know that you care for us, that our bodies are not just this random thing that we have, that we have to hold on to. No, thank you, God, that you love our bodies and you take care of it. Help us, Lord, to have self-control and discipline to, oh, Lord, watch what we eat, to change what we eat, Lord God, but also to have the ability to sleep and rest and trust in you and also to exercise. And God, I pray for those right now who are suffering. We pray for healing upon them, Lord God. But we also pray that each of us will live with that eternal hope, Lord, that day that's coming when all things will be made new, where the earth, where the heavens will be made new and also our bodies. 
Lord, we thank you for the life you've given us. And we pray, help us to look to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now what we're going to do is we're going to worship and we're going to sing, Great are you, Lord. Let's praise him for the life that he has given to us.